Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, mylifesports.com. You can reach us. Roller Auctions, Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Tomorrow, auction for computers, thousands of sports cards, golf equipment, bicycles, Apple TVs, workout equipment, and more. Auction is open at rollerauction.com. Get notifications. But upcoming auctions at rollerauction.com. Backslash MHS, Sasquatch and Wildcard Casinos in Blackhawk. In the meantime, great promotion going away, going on right now giving away a Mustang RTR or nearly $28,000 in cash the weekend of March 8th. It is your choice. Head on up there. See how you can win. You can also check out their sports book, Really Loose Slots. They cannot say that legally. I can. I've gambled there. And I think they're loose slots, especially compared to those big corporate places, right? Love going there. It's honestly a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. CBS Sports graded all 30 NBA teams. They gave the Nuggets a B. Do you agree with that grade? Would you go higher? I wouldn't go any lower, but would you go higher? No, I don't think so. I, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it either. I mean, I think that that's about where I would put them. I mean, they're kind of cruising along in a very similar place to where they were last year. This is about the time they really started to catch fire. We'll see if if that uh, replicates. But, um, no, I, I think that they're they're just kind of cruising along, still trying to find themselves, um, positioning themselves maybe for, uh, for a postseason run and still trying to answer some questions about their depth. When I look at them right now, they are only a half game behind Minnesota. For That's the top it. Right. Record in the West. And they are tied with Oklahoma City at a half game back. Do you think they get the number one seed? And honestly, if they want the number one seed, they will have to play their starters more. Because right now, I don't disagree with that B grade. I might even give them a B plus. Sure. But I don't have a problem with the B. Only because when they played some of the top teams, yeah, they beat the Celtics. I get that. They've beaten some of the better teams in the league. I get that. But some of the better teams in the league have beaten the Nuggets. Something that you can say would not have happened last year. With any regularity. Playing teams that are upper echelon, they have not been great against. Yeah, it just depends on how much you attach to that. uh, How much meaning you attach to that. I think that here's what we know about the Nuggets. The Nuggets 
are going to be a factor in any postseason, regardless of where they're seated in the West. They are the defending champions. Is there, I'm not going to use the term malaise or apathetic, but there is a problem, there is a different hangover. Hangover, maybe to some degree. I do think that there is a different feeling when you're trying to repeat than when you're trying to chase something that you've never, ever won before. There will only ever be a one first, first time. That's it. That's it. The one and only first time. Now it's a question of, you know, doing the work, uh, getting some answers, and setting yourself up for the postseason. Last year's regular season was interesting for the Nuggets because of because it was new to all of us it, to a large degree. Even though the Nuggets had been good in the regular season and had put themselves in good position in the playoffs, uh, this was all something that was new to us. Now, what are we waiting for? I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for April. I am too. But looking at their losses, Minnesota, New Orleans, Cleveland, and you're going to lose games. Mm-hmm. Sacramento, yep. the Clippers. Yep. Oklahoma City, they've lost to them, what? Twice. Twice. Yep. Right? Yep. Oklahoma City's a really good team. And sure are. What did I just say? They were tied with Oklahoma yeah. City? Right. Right? And by the way, if we're looking at tiebreak, hmm. If, well, and I hear, they lost I hear the you on that, but here, but here is what I would ask you. Are they in gear yet? Have no. they hit? See, they really aren't in gear. I don't think that they are in gear and... I think their bench is not is not is not struggling as much as I thought it might. It's but it's bit, still not there yet. No. Right? I mean, so so there's on one hand, it's yeah, they're they're okay. There's a ceiling there. They can get better as a unit coming off the bench. They haven't hit their gear. I, I, I would agree with you on that. That's why I asked you the question. And Minnesota and Oklahoma City have been playing really good basketball. The, the old adage is, check back with me in, in February after the All-Star game, and let's see where people start sorting themselves out. If I'm not mistaken, the Nuggets had the shortest bench in the playoffs last year. They only really played eight guys. Right. Generally speaking, other teams played more guys. Right? Mm-hmm. And I brought this up in the last hour. The magic number to me is 26. Bruce Brown played 26 minutes a game but he was interchangeable with KCP. Mm-hmm. Who's going to play 26 minutes a game in the playoffs this year for the Nuggets? The obvious answer is Reggie Jackson, but you don't want Reggie Jackson no. playing 26 minutes a game because if you do have him play 26 minutes a game, that means Jamal Murray doesn't have as many minutes. But again, it's the guy who Brown was interchangeable with, which is KCP. I don't see Reggie and KCP is interchangeable. They don't have an interchangeable guy coming off the bench. Bruce Brown could defend three positions on the floor, four positions on the floor. Yeah, four. Arguably, yeah. arguably, you don't want to go too long with some of the matchups, but he handled himself well. He could score you some baskets. He could. He did a lot of things to help you. That's why the Indian Indianapolis or Indiana Pacers paid him $22 million. I mean... Because he can do a lot of things. And then they traded him. Well, so it goes. Right. Right? I mean, I would have traded him for Pascal Siakam, too, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I would have. I mean, that's a 
that's just a better fit uh, for a championship run or for a playoff run. Well, you know you're going to be able to take Brown and turn him around, and that's the genius of Masai Ujiri. Yeah, no question. Yep. Yeah, Toronto's intriguing. It, Toronto's got a couple of guys. I mean, they're not going to be, they're, they're not a postseason factor. Well, they have a lot of first-round picks coming yeah, up, too. Yeah, right. They're intriguing. They are in rebuild mode, mm-hmm. and there are very few people in the NBA I would trust with a rebuild than Masai Ujiri. There you go. Coming up after the break, today could be the day for Todd Helton to go into the Hall of Fame. Coming up next, former Dodgers general manager Dan Evans will join us to talk about Todd Helton. He was the GM of the Dodgers when the Dodgers and Rockies played each other a lot. Does Dan think Todd Helton should go into the Hall of Fame? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us at You can reach us on the Roller Auctions Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman tomorrow. There's an auction for computers, thousands of sports cards, golf equipment, bicycles, Apple TVs, workout equipment, and more. Auction is open right now at RollerAuction.com. Get notifications. But upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com backslash MHS. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Paramount Sighting and Windows. Paramount Sighting and Windows, it's quality in everything they do. Find them at ParamountSightingAndWindows.com. All right, uh, today is the day that Todd Helton could eventually go into the Baseball Hall of Fame. You and I spoke about this uh, at the top of the hour, meaning the last hour at 7 Mm o'clock. We made our case for Helton, and in some ways, I hate to say it this way, against Helton. I think he's an interesting case. He's a debatable guy. In a lot of ways. No question. With that, I want to bring in a longtime friend of mine, Danny Evans, former Dodgers general manager, uh, he led them to nearly 90 wins a season when he was the GM. He was responsible for, for drafting All-Stars Matt Kemp and Russell Martin. When Danny and I were friends, meaning when we met nearly 25 years ago, he was the assistant GM for the White Sox. He was responsible for drafting or bringing in Frank Thomas, Robin Ventura, Paul Canerco, Bo Jackson. Pretty good list. I'm guessing when Danny did his research on Robin Ventura, he did not look deeply enough into Robin's boxing skills. Well, he was one of the best college hitters I've ever seen at Oklahoma State, I'll tell you that. He wow. was unbelievable. That was Danny, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well. I was at that game with Ryan and Ventura, and it's just there's such a great story behind it that someday we can talk about it. Well, you know what? I I know the story as well because there is backstory with Nolan Ryan when he got charged before Ventura did it. So we have time. Tell the story. Well, Ryan never liked anybody going out on him, going deep on him. And little Craig Grayback, 
I don't know, Graybeck's about 5'7", five, 5'8", five, one of the best fastball hitters I've ever seen, launched a ball in spring training and then hit another one during the regular season. And uh, Ryan used to hit people, used to go after people. And Ventura was always the leader of our club, just tremendous leadership. And uh, when he came in on Robin, he went and got him in the ribs. Ventura came out to the mound and about a third of the way out, you could kind of see he's gone, I'm going out there on Nolan Ryan. Um, but you know what? It, the story, this, the best part of the story is that we got him a couple more times that year, and I just loved seeing him sulk and storm off the mound after some of our little guys went out and did some bad things against him. Is there even close comp to a guy like Nolan Ryan as far as a headhunter? Because those days, Danny – Feel free to, to correct me if I'm wrong. Seem to have gone by the wayside. I, I'm trying to think of a guy in the game today that will always even the score out there on the mound. Yeah, you know, I think Sebastia was the last of that group. Mm-hmm. You know, Pedro, Roger Clemens. But Ryan, you know, was one of the hardest throwing guys of all time. But fear is what really made him lethal. I mean, he was stuff-wise as good as you know anyone's ever seen. But the element of fear was in the back of every hitter's mind. And I think, you know, the Clemens, I think Sebastia, um, Pedro, I think they, they added to their resume by doing that. We just don't see that as much in today's game. Um, they're less tolerant of it. And I just think it's a, it's a different culture in the game. And I understand both. But I really appreciate it when you had guys in that era who told you exactly how they felt. And Bruce, he had the DH. Yeah, no, so he right. Could, he could stand out there. <laughs> well six, done, six, Danny. Six inch away and he could say, you know what? You can come talk to me after the ball game, but I get the last say on the field. So true. Okay, let's jump into it. You do not have a vote for the Hall of Fame. But if you did, would you check Todd Helton's box? You know, Eric, I don't think I would. Um, and I'm, and it's no no rip on Helton. I mean, it's his greatness is there. He's a tremendous player. Um, I never thought he was the best player in his team. I never thought he was the best player at his position. Um, when we played, and I say we, when we were the Dodgers, when I was at the Mariners, um, when I was at the White Sox, he was never a guy that you didn't pitch to. He had a teammate in Larry Walker who you wouldn't let beat you, and you had to pick between them. But the thing I really wrestle with, guys, and it's it's not that I'm looking at his, his talent and saying he's not an exceptional talent, but I look at his numbers pre-Humidor, and I can't, I can't quantify it. I see numbers that are outliers well beyond what you ever see. I see a you know, a 370 battery average, uh, an almost 700 slugging. I see a home run rate at home, like every 15 at bats that on the road was every 32 at bats. And even when the humidor came in, he still has, um, for me, inflated numbers for Coors. And I think that's what a lot of the Hall of Fame voters are wrestling with because he isn't Walker. Walker was a superior defender, a superior, better overall player. And I think the fact that Helton really didn't play 
on a big stage very much because the Rockies weren't very good most of his career. I see those numbers, and I wonder who he really is. And as a result, I, I just raise an eyebrow a little bit, and I just go, you know, for me, Hall is very good, but Eric, I'll qualify that. If he gets in today, and he could get in by a very narrow margin, I think this is going to be the closest margin of any player in Hall of Fame history. Wow. And I think he gets in, I'm fine with it. I don't look at him as an inferior selection. I just personally never saw him as that guy. And I thought if you put him in a ballpark away from Coors, he was a really good player, not a Hall of Famer. All right, Danny. So give from your perspective, put give us a sense for the Coors Field curse. Because anytime uh-huh. anyone talks about a Colorado Rocky, it's going to be attached to, well, he played at altitude. Well, that's the club that drafted him. You got to play uh-huh. somewhere 81 games of the season. So how do you balance out a player who spent most of his career at altitude? Uh, in Todd Helton's case, obviously, there was a pre-humidor, but you get my point. How do you judge those players? Because you're always going to have that altitude thing and the friendliness of the ballpark at altitude, uh, giving guys winds in their wind in their sails. It's a great question. You know, you look at the wall in Fenway. You look at the short porch in the Polo Grounds and Yankee Stadium. I mean, players don't get a say in where they go. Um, I look at altitude as a as a in Coors is a major factor. I mean, first of all, I live here, so I experience it. And I think it's very real. I mean, there's been studies that indicate the carry on the ball is so considerably different. The inability to hit, you know, to throw breaking balls as proficiently as you do at sea level are very real. Ball movement is very real. And I think the larger outfield at Coors accounts for some of that. But, Bruce, I also think there's another thing that Rockies fans probably don't want to hear, but I think it's very clearly an element in the judging. And, first of all, the Hall of Fame is purely subjective. And that's, I think, the beauty of it. Here we are in January 23rd. I just walked the dog with gloves and a hat on, and we're talking about baseball. And that doesn't happen in the halls of the other sports. It's that subjectivity that... Everybody gravitates to certain kinds of players, but here's a guy who who can't it can't be denied the effect that Coors had. He was a 378 hitter at Coors pre-Humidor with a 693 slug. Nobody does that. That doesn't happen anywhere on this planet. And then when you look at his road numbers, and it's a 287 batting average with a 469 slug. I look at that in 240 points in slugging, it's undeniable. So I think, yes, it's difficult, but I think for Rockies fans, what, what they need to know is the fact that they didn't contend. They were somewhat irrelevant most of his career. They were a second division team, a non-contender, didn't play in the postseason except for, if I remember right, once, maybe twice. I think the problem with that is, you don't see him on a national stage. And as a result, players become more statistics than they do players. And it's not fair, 
But at the same time, the guys who go out and excel when the lights are bright and everybody's watching, they have an added benefit where you get to evaluate them when it really matters. Kelvin didn't have that stage very often. And by the time he got it, he was at a point in his career where he's on the downside of his career. And you just didn't view him as that same guy anymore. We're talking with Danny Evans, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, I met, or we met, I should say, when he was the assistant uh, general manager of the White Sox. And he went on to become the uh, general manager of the L.A. Dodgers. He's joining us today as Todd Helton is on the brink of potentially going into the Hall of Fame. Um, Danny, as I said, to lead off this segment, in the first hour of the show, I made a case for him and for and one against him. Todd Helton had six very, very good seasons. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they're split right down the middle. The first three of those seasons did not have a humidor. The next three did have a humidor. And to me, when you look at guys who played six years, are they Hall of Fame worthy? You talk about Terrell Davis. You talk about Gail Sayers. A lot of Helton's numbers, I think, and people will argue against me, came because of longevity. The final nine years of his career, generally speaking, he was not relevant. And people around here said this guy is not even close to being worth what his contract is. After his final season in 2004, he never hit more than 20 home runs, okay? As far as RBI go, he never hit more than 91. His batting average after that, uh, starting in 2004, was, um, it was 347, but then 320, 302, 320, 264, 325, 256. Those are not Hall of Fame numbers. His on-base percentage is eye-popping. It jumps off the page at you. But he did have a great eye. No reasonable person is going to argue that. He fought every pitcher, 10, 12 pitches, and he was great at that. But you don't put in a guy in the Hall of Fame because of his on-base percentage. Yeah, Eric, that is a great point. And I think from around 2005 forward, what is that, his last eight or nine years? Right. He was never that elite bat. He was never that guy that you looked at and feared coming to the plate and just I'll give you guys an insight of how you think as a personnel guy. So when a player starts to get into a range where he's making a lot of money and he's not as productive as he used to be, you know that eventually his name's going to probably come up in a trade discussion and you look at him and you think, what would this guy be for our club? Is this a guy I would take on my team And if so, what are my expectations? And most importantly, in today's world, how much of his salary would the other team have to take for me to be interested in that guy? Once that gets into the equation, he's no longer that guy anymore. And I had that conversation with myself as an evaluator somewhere around 05 or 06 when it was apparent he was no longer the slugger he used to be, he never had a 500 slugging percentage from age 32 forward, ever. And in today's game, 500 is the number. It's 300, 400, 500 that the elite guys are around. He didn't get there anymore. He used to be a big doubles guy. That started to go downhill. And 
he just simply wasn't the same defender that he used to be. And I, I think it's really important that we frame this correctly. I am not saying he was not a great player yep. because he most certainly was one of the best players of his generation. But was he elite over the course for an elongated part of his career? In my opinion, no, he was not. And I think, you know, there's, there's really good players on the outside looking in. And I think if he gets in, there's no shame to the Hall of Fame having Todd Helton in it. But, Eric, I don't even think he's the best player in Rockies history. And I hear he's that not. all the time. He's not. It's well, Nolan. He, Nolan. And he accumulated numbers that make him statistically, in the counting numbers, you know, their best all-time player. But I look at Arenado, and I look at Walker, and I see a better player. And and for me, as a guy who that was my role my entire adult life, is to evaluate, you know, how much value does this guy have to our club and within his team? I always thought Todd Helton was one of the best players in the game, but I never thought he was that guy. And I think what we're seeing in the Hall of Fame balloting is reflecting what a lot of other people think that if he does get in, he's going to get in narrowly. And if he doesn't get in this year, it's going to be narrow. I think eventually he'll get in. He just wouldn't get in on my ballot. I think what we're seeing here is, and and you may disagree with me and that's cool. I think what we're seeing with Todd Helton and a lot of players is the Kirby Puckett effect. Kirby Puck was the first ballot Hall of Famer, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Right. When you look at Helton's numbers and Kirby's numbers, there's no comparison. Helton is much better than Kirby Puckett statistically. So people will say, shoot, if Kirby Puckett could get in, specifically first ballot, why the hell is Helton not in there? Right? And I Yes. And I think it's Puckett's career was ended because of the glaucoma. Right. Um, heck, I've, I knew Kirby since I was 12 years old. So yeah, he's South Side guy, Kirby. and you're a South. You well, you're well, you're a North Side I, guy, a, Lion Township. But you worked, a, but but you but you crossed the Mason Dixon line <laughs> and went to the South Side. <laughs> Which, for people who aren't from Chicago, being from Lane Tech, right. There's like an electric fence, yes. on <laughs> Madison Street that you're not allowed to have an opinion. South of Madison Street in Chicago. Well, I grew. But, listen, but I, I grew up in Northbrook, so believe me, I didn't even see that fence. You were much no. closer to it than I, you know, Lane Tech's off of Addison. Is that correct? You bet. It's and, a monstrosity. It's the largest public right. high school in the country. When I was there, it was ten thousand students. Oh my lord! And, you know, you look at Puckett though, Eric, and here's the thing on Puckett. Puckett didn't have the decline in skills. We remember Puckett with his excellence, with his greatness. We think of Andrew Jones very similar to how we look at Todd Helton. Andrew Jones was exceptional his first eight to 10 years. And then all of a sudden, he just plummeted. His numbers changed so much. He was a very different player. And I think it's hard for a lot of people, including myself, to see guys like that over the course of their entire career and not forget the decline. And in Helton's case, it's not the usual decline at 37, 38, 39. It began, and it began abruptly yeah. well, in the early to, 30s. Not to cut you off, you said eight to ten years with Andrew Jones. For yeah. Helton, it was six years. 
Go, just go look at the numbers. It's six years and three without a humidor. After that, I'm not going to say it was like a bowling ball falling off a table, but it was no. a steep decline. Danny, we got to hit a break. But, man, and enjoyed uh, you coming on. Real quick, though, before we let you go, uh, the organization that you work with, Sabre, February 3rd, Stanley Marketplace, what's going on there if you're a big baseball fan? Eric, inviting everybody to come to the Stanley Marketplace on the 3rd of February from 10 to 1. We're going to have a baseball buffet. We're going to talk about the Rockies. We're going to talk about baseball in general, have a trivia contest. The Stanley Marketplace is a fabulous place. Come on out. You don't have to be a member. Have some fun with us. We'd love to have you there as our guest. And, well, I will I will certainly make my, my, my best effort to get out there. But you also have something coming up. Kent Denver, a clinic in June. Oh, we're so excited. We're going after kids that are between ages 8 and 12 years old, boys and girls here in the region, and give them one of the best baseball camp experiences they've ever had every morning from June 24th to 28th at Kent, Denver. It's going to be an outstanding camp with instruction, play, a lot of one-on-one time with quality instructors, former big leaguers. It's going to be a really great experience for kids who ordinarily probably wouldn't have the opportunity to get that much quality instruction early in the summer, make your little leaguer a little better player, but also teach them some of the finer elements in the game of a game that's been really great to me. Danny, thanks so much for your time as always. I know you and I will hook up soon. You got it. Best of both of you. See you, thanks, pal. Danny. Danny Evans, his case for and against Todd well Helton for the Hall of Fame. Coming up next with what Danny said, do we agree with it? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us at You can reach us, Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Tomorrow, there's an auction for computers, thousands of sports cards and golf equipment, and a whole lot more. Auction is open right now at RollerAuction.com. Get notifications about upcoming auctions at RollerAuction.com. Backslash MHS. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Nola Jane Restaurant and Bar. Let Nola Jane spice up your next trip to Lodo with the best Cajun cuisine in Denver. Thoughts about what Danny said about Held. He said he would not check the box for him. Yeah, I, I think that it's uh I think it's consistent with the discussion that we have had today. I think he's a very arguable guy. I think he's a very debatable guy. Um and a lot of it has to do with the fact that he played uh in Colorado for his the entirety of his career. Not his fault. Not his fault. Um It's not your fault. It's okay. It's yeah, not right. your fault. Will, but, it's not yeah. your fault. And and I would agree and I would agree with it. Look, I would say as a guy that watched Todd Helton from the outside, mm-hmm. I would have no problem with Todd Helton being in the Hall of Fame. I have no problem with Todd Helton not being in the Hall of Fame. I'm the same way. That's kind of where I'm at on Todd Helton. But I do not deny him as a hitter. He was a 316 career hitter. You still got to see it. You still got to square it. 
you still got to hit it. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? We'll discuss if fumbling the ball out of the end zone should result in a touchback, and this former Rockies catcher is returning to the organization in a coaching role. That's next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us, Roller Auctions Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. Tomorrow there's an auction for computers, thousands of sports cards, golf equipment, bicycles, Apple TVs, workout equipment, and more. Auction is open right now at RollerAuction.com. If you want to get upcoming notifications about upcoming auctions, go to RollerAuction.com backslash MHS. In the meantime, some of you may or may not know, I've been a benefit auctioneer for fundraising galas for nearly 10 years now. One event that uh, I have the pleasure of of doing every year, and it feels like it's probably been about five years, is a terrific nonprofit. It is called Epic Experience, coming up on February 24th at the Four Seasons. They are going to have their Hearts and Hope Gala. I MC it. I'm the benefit auctioneer for it. I absolutely love working with Nancy and Colin Farrow. Uh, Nancy is, is still part of the organization, but her son Colin took it over about a year ago as the executive director. And with that, Colin, good morning. How are you? Good, Eric. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure having you on the show. It's funny. I said to our producer, Alex, before the start of the show, I said, hey, Colin Farrow is going to be joining us from Epic. And and, uh, Alex said to me, oh, I remember him. He came on last year. Well, here you are again. For those that don't know what Epic Experience is, Please explain to our listeners and viewers what it is and why it is so unique. Yeah, Epic Experience <clears throat> empowers adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. And we do this through um, outdoor adventure programs. We do one-day programs getting the cancer community, community together with um, survivors, thrivers, and their caregivers. We also, our pinnacle experience is our week-long adventure camps. Um, where we bring people three hours west of Denver, and we play in the outdoors in the beautiful state that we have here. And so we will go cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, uh, summer camps. We're going to be doing rafting, inflatable kayaking, really to prove to these cancer survivors and thrivers that physically they may be stronger than they thought they were. And when they usually prove that to themselves in the beauty of nature, they also find healing in, okay, I can also connect with other survivors, and emotionally and mentally, I open up as well and overall leave, hopefully in our mind, and we see it all the time, transformed to where they feel empowered in their cancer diagnosis. There are thousands of nonprofits all over the country, and usually there is an impetus behind starting a nonprofit. Why did you and your mom and your dad start 
epic experience? We felt cancer um, hit our family firsthand. Uh, my brother was diagnosed when him and I were both going to Regis University with testicular cancer. And through his journey, we um, saw firsthand that, you know, during treatment, you're doing as the doctors say and all of that. But once treatment ends, my, or my brother was trying to figure out what does this look like, right? Living with cancer now. What am I supposed to do? Finding jobs. All my friends are moving forward and I'm feeling a little stuck and in the dark place. And so feeling that firsthand through my brother's diagnosis, you know, really when Nancy founded the organization in 2012, she just wanted to make cancer suck less than the next person. And so we've made a community out of epic experience to where people can hopefully find a home and a family in which they feel supported and they thrive through their cancer experience. So if people want to go to the gala, uh, and once again, it's at the Four Seasons on February 24th. How do people get tickets? How do they get involved? If you go to epicexperience.org backslash events, you can get tickets there. Um, we're excited. It looks like it will be another sellout um, this year. So excited for that. Um, and if you're interested in donating any items, um, we still are accepting some donations. Uh, we have a great silent auction and live auction. Um, of amazing experiences and stays and trips um, in which you can come and be a part of the event. I am really excited for this event for a number of reasons. One, I love seeing you and your parents, uh, good friends of ours, Gary and Barb Reese. Uh, They're involved with um, a great nonprofit as well. You're going to be honoring them. But the company that I own is called Your Fundraising Team, and I recently hired a new auctioneer. And for Sports Talk listeners, you might recognize his name. Zach Bai, who hosts a show in Afternoon Drive, is now part of my team, your fundraising team, and he and I are going to be doing the event together. That's cool. We're going to be doing a dual fundraising. And, uh, you know, if you're fans of Zach, certainly show up. I don't know why anybody would be a fan of mine. And I think that, Colin, you would agree with both parts of that. Yes, uh, Eric. You know, that was quick. That, that was uh, really some, quick. <laughs> somehow it's worked out, but, uh, you know, I've been a fan of yours for a while. <clears throat> um, I'm a sports nut myself, um, so I do know Zach, and I'm just excited. I know both of your personalities have a lot to bring and will really make the, the, bring the room together, and um, it's going to be a great night in which uh, you two will uh, shine with your personalities. And really what I love is making, uh, you know, the whole room feel as a team to empower cancer survivors and thrivers together uh, that one night on February 24th at our gala. And what I love about what Epic Experience has done and what Colin and Nancy have done is they've coined a new phrase. You are no longer a cancer survivor. You are a cancer thriver. I like that. And to me, that is one of your greatest impacts, just the way you say it. That gives so many people so much hope. Hearts and Hope Gala for Epic Experience February 24th at the Four Seasons Hotel, annual event. They've been doing it for over 10 years. Please join us on February 24th. Colin, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com.
Just In Case You Missed It, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Alrighty, guys. Just in case you missed it, on his Instagram account, former ca- or former Rockies catcher Tony Walters announced his retirement from playing, but he will return to the organization as the bench coach for the Arizona Complex League team at the rookie level. He recorded one of the biggest hits in franchise history, the 13th uh, inning RBI single in the 2018 Wild Card game at Wrigley. Uh, thoughts on the new beginning for Tony Walters? That was the most unlikely guy to get that hit too. I was there, and it was. The best moment that I've experienced in the time that I've been here in Denver with the Colorado Rockies. So I'm thankful for Tony Walters from that standpoint. Great. Anytime that you can bring someone back, he's a catcher. and He falls right into the category yep. of, of what you do with, with former catchers. Uh, you know, put him on the fast track to being uh, involved with coaching and teaching. I think, I think he'll be great. Good for him. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. All right, just in case you missed it, the Tennessee Titans are working to finalize a deal with Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan as their next coach, uh, replacing Mike Vrabel. Callahan has spent the last five seasons as Bengals offensive coordinator, helping establish one of the top offenses in the league. He would become the sixth coach in franchi- Titans franchise history. Uh, do you feel one way or another about the Titans hiring Brian Callahan? Callahan has a history of developing quarterbacks. And Tennessee has a young quarterback in Will Levis. And I think that's one big reason why he was brought in. He's been a hot name for a number of years, and now he will get his first crack at head coaching. And isn't Will Levis one of those guys that right now is probably on the right side of potential and not the bad side of potential? Yeah. So you get a guy in there that can that can draw something out of him. I kind of like what they have going there. Yeah, and oh, by the way, the quarterback that they currently have on the roster, Tennessee, is Ryan Tannehill. Mm. The more that I think about it, if the Broncos are going to sign someone... It would make sense for him. Unless you don't want a 35-year-old quarterback and you want to take your chances with Sam Darnold, right? You or, do that. A, or, or a younger quarterback. Mm-hmm. But if they draft a quarterback, Tannehill makes the most sense. I, I would agree with that. If you don't draft a quarterback, you're going to have to go with somebody younger. Yeah. At least I think you do. whole different discussion for a different day, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it all. French Wines, 15% off. Check them out off Colfax. Order online at ArgonautLiquor.com or check out their app and order there as well. Again, Argonaut Wine and Liquor, CY Westward calls them the best liquor store in Denver, five years running. Brett, Alex, great job. Same with you, Bruce. I'll try and do better tomorrow. Make the best possible day you can.